0: Welcome to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is dedicated to helping people love Jesus and the people they encounter every day. Today, you will listen to our most recent Sunday sermon. So sit back, relax, and let Jesus speak to you wherever you may be. And now, this week's sermon. All right, all right, all right, all right. Ready to get into the Word? Come on, God is good, man, isn't He? He's faithful. Come on, sometimes we see things that would contradict or try to contradict the goodness and faithfulness of God in our lives. But, man, we got to serve notice on the enemy. we got to remind ourselves. we got to declare what God's word says and that God says he is greater. And at the end of the day, his truth is what will stand over us. Amen? Amen. Nothing, nothing has the power to prevail over us when we're in Christ. And I'm grateful for that fact. Um this morning we're going to get into the word a little bit is that all right? Is that all right? Can we get into the word? All right, we're going to be we're going to be in uh 2nd Samuel chapter 6. I love the Old Testament. I'm kind of like an Old Testament preacher although I do love the New Testament as well. I love the life of David as well, so I tend to kind of like, you know, pull some stuff from David's life cuz I want to be like David, man. David was a man that was hungry for God. He loved God. He chased God. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that this morning and uh just praying about this um this message today because um I I I just discovered that I was going to be given this message here just a little while ago and I'm grateful to be in this place and serve and um and and be with you guys in the word this morning amen but I just felt like even through worship there was a theme and I did not even know what the wor- s- set list was worship but we were talking about surrender we were talking about God give I give you my all you know everything and nothing less my best and my all right and sometimes we can find um a, a disconnect between what we say in worship and where our hearts are, right? Sometimes we could be singing the words and going over just because we've memorized and know what the words say, but our heart could be over here in left field or we got our, our our minds in tomorrow morning at work or or over in this situation or that situation. But but I encourage you, I encourage you, even through what I feel like God has given me this morning, set your heart and set your desire to pursue the one thing this year of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Is that all right? I love what late John Wimber said. He was pa- one of the pastors of the founding, and founding leaders of the Vineyard Movement. He said, if Jesus isn't the number one priority in our lives, we will never fully worship him. We certainly won't be moved to share the love of Jesus with others if he's not in the place of number one. All right. We're going to jump into the word. This is kind of a chunk of scripture, so bear with me. All right. You can read along with me. I don't know if there's scripture on the screen, but I'm going to begin in. 2 Samuel chapter 6, actually, before I do that, thank you, Jesus, Um, to give a little context in this passage that we're going to dive into today. Um, David, King David was just anointed King over all of Israel. He had been King over Judah, a section or a portion or a tribe of Israel for about seven, seven and a half years up until this point. And we see in verse five, when, when the elders of Israel, the Bible says the elders of the leadership of Israel came down, they say, man, this guy, Saul is tripping. We got to get him out. We need a new King. I don't know what's up with Saul, but David, we want you to be the King over all of Israel now, over all 12 tribes. So this is kind of the backdrop of the passage that we're in today. So David takes kingship over all Israel. He's now on the throne. He's now the man in charge, and we're going to look at what he does. We're going to look at his position. We're going to look at his desire and what he does. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 1, and again, bear with me as we read. Um, again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. This is what he did. He's sitting on the throne now, remember. And David rose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the Ark of God. This is kind of the symbolic or the the symbol in our focus of today, the Ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the son of Abinadab, drove the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and a heel went before the ark. Okay, so David says, okay, there's this ark. we got to go get the ark. It's chilling in the house of Abinadab. Forgive my my uh, paraphrase speech. That's just how I talk. That's just me, y'all. Sorry. So that ark was literally stationary or set in the house of Abinadab for quite some time because Israel had lost the ark. Remember that movie, uh, 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 Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? This was kind of like the scenario. So Israel lost the ark. They were, you know, under Saul's leadership, some, you know, they were experiencing some judgment, and the Philistines went and grabbed the ark. Now, I want you to pay attention to how important this piece of history is or this, this symbolic piece in Israel's history, this ark. It's over here chilling in the house of Abinadab. David says, we got to go get it verse 4 it says and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill company, company the ark of god and Ahio went before the ark then David and all the house of Israel played music before the lord on all kinds of instruments of fur wood I don't even know what that is um they probably have like replicas of it but anyway on harps I know what that is on string instruments oh yeah we got that and on tambourines on sistrums and on cymbals they were having a holy ghost party cuz we got the ark now man we got we went we grabbed what we came for right David captured the ark, they're walking back, they're going back to the city of David and they're like dancing, they're breaking it down. Y'all don't want me to break it down. I won't do that because I don't want you to get distracted. Anyways, uh, they were breaking it down, right? As we read, and we're not going to get to the portion where David, he really broke it down after they finalized the journey, but they were having a party, right? They were excited about the ark. They were excited about the symbol in Israel. But check this out, verse 6, and when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Uh Uh-oh. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died by the ark of God. And David became angry. Man, David just went from, like, man, we got to go get the ark to, like, being furious, right? And David became angry because the Lord because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? Are you serious, God? How can we go? How can we bring this ark back if all this stuff is happening? I thought this was a good thing, God. I I thought the ark was important, but we experienced loss. So David would not move the ark. Wow. David would not, move, he refused to move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom, shuki oh, shooky-dooky, the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark. This is the reason. Everything was breaking out. Obed-Edom, man, he was like experiencing crazy favor because of the ark. Almost done here reading this passage, this this portion of Scripture. And so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. He just went from being excited about the ark, to being enraged because somebody died, seeing the blessing of Obed-Edom because he had the ark, to David being glad again, and David going back to pursue now this ark. Verse 13, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen, and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord. Oh, he was breaking it down. He danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your word and the power of what you say, God. And I know you're saying, God, uh, greater than what I'm able to, to project, God, through this microphone. You're speaking to our hearts. And I, God, I pray that your word would do exactly what you designed it to do this morning. You said it would not come back to you void, but it would accomplish everything for which you would set forth for it to do. And I pray your word would have that effect this morning. God, I pray you would, God, challenge us, God, in those places we need to be challenged. God, encourage us in those places we need to be encouraged. God, remind us, God, of your goodness and your faithfulness in those places where we need to be reminded. God, boost our faith because of who you are, God. Thank you, Jesus. I need your help. God, help me to communicate your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. All right, we're not going to be long in the word today because I feel like God gave us an activation for this, this brand new year that we're in, first Sunday of the year. I feel like God wants us to bring first fruits, and I'll explain a little bit more about that. So I'll try not to be long in the word this morning to give room for what God wants to do here in just a little bit. Um, but just speaking a little bit about worship, um, in John chapter 4, Jesus encounters a woman at the well, and you know the the topic of their conversation shifts to worship, right? I don't know if you've caught that in Times past. Just reading of it. When Jesus is talking to this woman at the well, right, he's, he's basically speaking to her about her life, and he's calling out everything in her life that's, that's not right. And she tries to quickly change the subject. She says, sir, I believe that you're a prophet. He's like, Jesus is like, yeah, you, he says, you don't have a husband. You said, right, because you've had five husbands. The guys you're, the guy you're living with now is not your husband. He's like, whoa, 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 Jesus, you're getting in my business. Oh, hold on, hold on. I see you're a prophet. Oh, let me change the subject. (laughs) Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say in Jerusalem is the place one ought to worship. She changes the subject real fast. And Jesus said, okay, you want to change the subject? You want to go there? I'll go there too. And he says, He replied back to her. He says, uh, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, because we Jews, we worship what we know, but you worship what you don't know. For salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him in spirit must worship him in spirit and truth. And Jesus made a point to let this woman know as she was trying to take the conversation to a certain direction that worship is not on the external. It's not in the natural. It's not in the flesh, but in the inside, in the internal, in the spirit. Doesn't matter if you're on this mountain. Doesn't matter if you're in Jerusalem because you're looking at all these external things. And this woman had a lot of external things going on in her life. He says, forget all that, because what I seek, what I desire, or what the Father seeks and what the Father's desire is true worship in spirit, internally, in, in truth, right? Worship, it goes a whole lot deeper to the core of our attitude and our heart's disposition towards God. Not just the words we say, not just the hands that we clap, not just the break it down dance that we do, right? Goes a whole lot deeper. And we know that. Again, just as a reminder, I wanted to share that as we get into what I'm going to be talking about. We can praise God with a song, right? We can, we can praise God with those elements, with string instruments, with the things that we've created to praise God with, but we can't merely worship God with a song, right? Worship looks like, God, I worship you in my job. God, I worship you in my giving and tithing. God, I, I worship you in how I love my family. God, I, I worship you in everything that I am. That's truly what worship looks like. And, you um, know, for me to say, man, you know, I, I love my wife. <laughs> you know, I, I don't worship my wife, but I love my wife. You know, I can go to my wife and say, Ooh, girl, you're the best thing God. Ooh, girl, I love you. You know I love you. And then my wife's not in the service. She was in the first service, so I can say that now. I got some freedom. Ooh, girl, I love you. And if I if I do that, like seriously, Monday through Friday, and I've done that before, not Monday through Friday, but I said it, you know, to my wife. But if I I can do that, you know, ooh, girl, until she gets like sick of me hearing that. But if I don't, like, back it up with, like, some time spent with her, if I don't back it up with, like, the, the you know, my outpouring or my investment into her life as my wife, like, my words can be meaningless, right? My, my words don't have that much power. And she'll look at me saying, ooh, girl, I love you. Be like, yeah, whatever. Because that's not flowing from my heart. And I just, just say that just as a picture of how God looks at us in worship. Oh, God, I, on, a, on a Sunday, I praise you. I declare, I sing and shout. And God loves those things. Nothing wrong with those things. But how is my life How is my life demonstrating a, a life of worship unto God through everything else that takes place? Man, I love what David said. I love what David said. He said in Psalm 27, 4, he says, one thing have I desired. Uno. One thing have I desired. That one thing will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. All the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. One thing, not ten things, not a hundred things, not a checklist of things. But there's only one thing. You read that verse. You ever read that scripture verse and be like, "Man, David had like a, a a serious math problem. Like he didn't he he couldn't count too well, right? You ever read that verse and think that I I've read that verse and like David literally says, "One thing have I desired." And then he goes on to name like three things. (laughs) Let me read it for you again. You probably didn't catch it. Uh, One thing if I desire the Lord, that one thing will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David, you like seriously skipped class in Hebrew, Hebrew class or some math class. You you just like, you checked out because you just said three. All those things literally are are embodiment, are wrapped up in the person of who God is. And basically what David was saying, God, all I want is you. God, all I want is you. God, you are my one thing. You are my one thing. And I know we're in a new year and, you know, it's uh, uh, day two of the new year. Some of you have New Year's resolutions, right? Like I want to lose like 15 pounds in the next 30 days or I want to, you know, go on a a diet or eating plan or a new you in 2022 or whatever that looks like, right? Anybody have New Year's resolutions? Nobody in this room? Oh, man, I'm going to pray for y'all, man. I'm just kidding, but sometimes we, we experience the newness of a new year, and we have these aspirations and hopes and desires, so, and, and a lot of times we fail in those things because our commitment level wasn't what we thought it was to accomplish those things, but I want to encourage you to make Jesus, to make Heavenly Father your one thing this year, to make Him your pursuit. As David says, one thing have I desired, that one thing will I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of my God and to inquire in His temple, Jesus, all I want is you. I was praying the other day, um, just thanking God for this year, just just spending time with the Lord and just going back to recap, like all the things that happened this year, all the good stuff, like, God, thank you for this. And like, God was calling to remember some of the things that he did. And I was just spending time just thanking God. And, and even some of the things that didn't go quite as planned, like I wanted to, like they failed and, and it was horrible in certain places. And it was just like, God, I thank you through those things too, God, because you're still God in those things. And I thank you that you use those things to shape me and who I am and just just spending this 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 amazing time with God and then looking forward to 2022 and like you know all the things that I know that God can do in my life and he has the potential to do and all that I aspire uh to accomplish and like you know, I started to, to pray into the new year, like, man, this would be so awesome if this business that I started, God, if it prospered, and if it blew up, and, and if my family was just blessed, and I was able to do this, and do this, and do this, and, and go here, and bless these people, God, and be used of you in whole uh, uh, incredible ways, and I had to take a step back. I don't know if it was, like, necessarily God stopping me, but I had to, like, take a pause and be like, I was like, God, God, I just want you, Lord, this year. I just want your presence this year. God, if I don't get any of those things, if nothing beneficial or nothing manifests itself on the outside of being good and I gain you, God, I've gained everything this year. God, I don't, I don't necessarily not, I don't want to forsake all those things happening. God, if you want to do them, do them. By all means, I, I will receive them, God. But my aim, my goal, my one thing, God, I want, I want you, God. I want a greater place in your presence. I want a greater place in intimacy with you. Is that worth it to us? Let me ask you, is is that one thing, that greater place in God, worth it to you to pursue that above all else? To pursue that above ambition of of growing in a a place of influence or a place of uh, uh, your occupation or your business, a place of ministry, a place of notoriety. Is that greater to you than prospering financially or even physically? The pursuit of that one thing, is that worth it? David says, I have all these responsibilities. I'm now king, not just over one tribe, but all tribe. This nation rests on my shoulders. But you know what, God? I don't need anything else. One thing have I desired. So David says, I'm going to get the ark. I need your presence. Now, as we look at the ark, as we look at the ark, this thing that David was in hot pursuit of, the ark was the first thing, literally the first thing that God gave Moses the instructions to build. If you read it in Exodus 25, even before God gave Moses the instructions to build the tabernacle, which was instrumental in Israel going from place to place in the wilderness, and how the rest of the nations were able to know that there was a true and living God amongst his people on this earth. Even before the construction of the tabernacle, he says, I want you to construct and build this ark. There were three elements in the ark. One was the manna in the wilderness, showing God's provision. The second was Aaron's rod that budded, showing that there was life even after being cut off. It's not doesn't have a root in the ground, but it's still growing, still producing life, life in God. And the third is the law, the 10 commandments. These three elements were, were components inside the ark, and it represented, literally it was a representation of the reality of God here on this earth amongst his people. Check this out. This is what Moses said. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring this people up, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. He says, we're going to the promised land, God. I know we're going to the promised land. Right now, we're in, we're in this hot, dry desert, but you've called me to lead this people into their promise. But he says, you have not let me know who you will send with me, yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I found grace in your sight. Moses, you're saying the same thing God already said to you. You found grace in his sight. He said, show me now your way that I might know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. Check this out. I love this part of this. This is one of my favorite places of scripture. And even uh, just a place of uh, prayer for me, he says, my, God says in verse 14, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, this is Moses talking, he said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. I know there's a promise over there. I know there's a land flowing with milk and honey, but it's not worth it without your presence. Is it worth it to you? God, I know that there's amazing things over here. There's breakthrough, there's, there's blessing, there's, there's financial, there's everything over here, God, but I don't want to go without your presence. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except that you go with us so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. This is going to be the distinguishing mark upon us from the rest of the people on this earth. Do do, do people know there's something different about you that don't know God? Is there there something on your life that people can recognize, even without you saying anything, that you are different from them? My prayer a long time ago, when God called me from the ministry, he called me out of ministry to work in the marketplace, which wasn't a call out of ministry, but a call into greater ministry, was that my presence, his presence was to go with me. Come on, Justin, right? I, I love to see the manifestation of the Spirit of God inside of an office space. God, I said, I, I don't call me into this, this workplace, this sales environment without your presence. I don't care if, I, if I'm the number one person in this room like Justin is, because he's the man. I don't care, but God, all I want is your presence because I want people to know who you are. They're not going to know who you are just by me coming and just saying some words. God, I've got to have your presence. God, this year, I got to have who you are, a greater level of who you are in my life. Man, David, you look at David going after this ark, he was in hot pursuit. So passionate, right? So passionate. Kind of like how how passionate I was going after my wife when I realized that she was going to be my wife, right? Some of you uh, know my testimony, how God connected me and my wife, and and bear with me for those who've heard, uh, especially those who had come to my home group. <laughs> but I love to share my testimony, how God connected me and my wife, because it shows the the greatness and glory of God. God's fingerprints are all over that, and I'll and I'll break it down here for you, okay? Man, when God showed me who my wife was, oh, it was on after that point. Woo! I was in hot pursuit. I was kind of like David going after the ark. All right, check this out, okay. Check this out. So, oh Lord, I don't want to take too long. Okay, I'm good. Um, so I was in—I was living in Sacramento, California, right? I was in doing—I was in full-time ministry, part-time work, right? Because ministry don't, at that point and where I was serving didn't pay that great. So I was working full-time at the church, working part-time at another company, serving God and and just being poured out for God, right? I was loving it. I was able to help to see a church plant grow and be established and people were getting saved and, and God's hand was just moving all over the place and I was loving it, right? But at the same time, like I was serving and giving, serving and giving and serving, I, I began to get tired and worn down and, and weary. And, and I remember and one Saturday morning, I was in the church office. I was praying. I was like, God, I'm ready to get married. God, I'm ready to do this thing. Just pouring out my heart to God. And I knew in the place that I was, position I was in church, I wasn't in necessarily the place to just be like, hey, like, you know, dating girls in the congregation. I wasn't going to do that, right? I wasn't going to date, like, the young young ladies in the congregation because my heart, like, God, I want to set a good example for for individuals my age. So, God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you, but this is my heart. This is my desire. And I spoke to God, and God spoke to me. He says, okay, you want to get married? This is when you're going to get married. God gave me a date for when I was going to get married. I wrote it down in a journal. Is evidence and proof. And part of me was like, God, is this you, or is it just me, or is it something I ate bad last night, or I don't know, you know? You know how sometimes when God gives you something, it's not the full picture Right. Sometimes he'll give you a little whisper, he'll give you a little word to go off of because he'll give you an opportunity to demonstrate your faith and grow in your faith. Sometimes if God were to give us the full picture, how much faith do we need to trust if we already know? Remember God said to Abraham, he says, I want you to leave this place you're familiar with, leave your family and go to a place that I will show you. Not that I'm showing you. Man, that's trust. That's faith in a God. I don't have the full picture laid out before me. I don't know how things are going to fall in line. I don't know how things are going to work out. But God, I trust what you said to me. God will give you a little word to go off of. You take one step and God is so faithful, man. He'll give you the next, right? God is so faithful. You take that next step. Wow, I didn't fall. I'm going to go ahead and take the next one. Bam, until you just walk on this journey, this journey of faith. where now your faith is at a greater place than it was over there because you trusted the little bit that God gave you. Oftentimes, that's how God works. And God gave me a little bit. And so I wrote it down. I'm like, yeah, God, I don't know, it's you. Maybe, okay. I'm writing it down anyway. And I'm going to print." So I prayed about it for a full month, come from Sacramento, back to Vegas, just to get away, just to get a break, man, because I'm worn out, right? I just say, I want to go home. I want to see my family. I want to just, like, take a break and just relax, not see anybody. I don't want to see nobody. Nobody call me. Nobody come to my house. (laughs) I'm not trying to be rude, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying, but those of you know me know I'm an introvert. I recharge when I get, you know, I get alone. And, and God just made certain individuals like that, you know. God made individuals like my wife that recharges like around people. And she wants to be around people all the time. And I, I love it. I love it. But then there's times where I need to, be, I need to recharge. So I said, God, I'm going to go home. I don't even want to go to the same church that I used to go to because people are familiar with me. And they're going to want to hang out, go grab lunch and hang out. Nothing wrong with that, God, but I just want to. I don't want to be busy. So I, I said, I'm not going to church, right? So on, Sunday came around, and I was like, dude, I cannot not go to church. So I went to a church way across town, right, like where nobody knew me. I got my worship on, and it was all good, and I was, uh, you know, just had church Sunday morning. I come home Sunday afternoon, and I was just tired, and I, I took a nap. And then the Holy Spirit woke me up. He said, you need to go to church tonight. I said, no, 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 that's not the God, that's not the Lord. That ain't that ain't the Lord. I'm going to try to go back to sleep. No, you need to go to church tonight. The Holy Spirit would not let me go back to sleep, and he kept nudging me to go to church tonight. When I knew, when he said go to church, I knew exactly what church he was talking about. Like the house that I grew up in is literally right across the street from the church that I had been a part of, some of the I C O V. Literally, my mom lives right across the street, catty corner, diagonal, to this day, in that same house that I grew up in. So God was like, go to church. You need to go to church. So I was fighting it. I wanted to be rebellious, I wanted to disobey, but I said, okay, God, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to obey you, I said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go late though, <laughs> I'm going to sneak in the back, <laughs> so I ended up going to church, worship was going on, it was almost done, I came in the back, and I'm just in the back, just worshiping God, glory, hallelujah, and uh, so I'm worshiping, my eyes closed, and then one of my good friends I hadn't probably seen in years, he's like, hey, man, Jabron, what are you doing, man? Hey, hey, I got to see up front. Come on to the front, man. Come on. I'm like, no, nah, bro, I'm cool back here, man. I just want to get my worship on. No, nah, man, no, nah, bro, I haven't seen you in forever. Come on. So he, he, he said, come up front. So I went up front, sat by him, and then I'm up front again, you know, last few minutes of worship. Somebody walks by and punches me in the stomach. <laughs> Well, I got my hands raised and my eyes closed. I'm like, God, is this what you wanted me to come for? Is this, is this it, God? God, I will, I will be whatever you want me to be. God, I'll be a fool for you, Jesus. I will serve you, but is this really it? So worship goes on and then service ends, and I'm sitting there talking to one of my good friends that I went to Bible school with, and we were just catching up. I was asking her how her family was doing. She was doing the same. And all of a sudden, somebody just comes in and sits right down in our, our conversation. They just sat down like uninvited, right? I'm sure you've had that happen before sometime in your existence. People just join your conversation uninvited. So they came to, came in and just start talking and it was like, "Hey, how you doing?" "Oh, I'm doing good. How you doing?" "How are things going in Sacramento?" "Oh, man, it's amazing. God is breaking out and God is doing some amazing things. How are you and your family?" "Oh, it's good, you know. You know, my son is doing this, my daughter's doing this, but my other daughter, she has this thing. She keeps telling me how she's going to get married on such and such a date. Same exact date that a month before God gave me in prayer same exact date. She said, matter of fact, she's had it on the calendar for two years. I was like, man, I'm late to the party, God. I have been, I'm i missing it, Jesus. I had... I. I had, God, forgive me, Lord, for my lack of hearing. God, I missed you all this time. So, like, she kept talking, right? And my brain just shut off after that point. I didn't hear a word she said because I'm just rolling over my mind the concept of me marrying this girl. Like, I had knew of her, right? Like, we had been around each other. Like, because we never hung out in the same circle of friends because there's a little bit of age difference. I'm a little bit older, a little bit more mature than she is. She's not here. So, like I said, no, I said that in the first service and she laughed. I'm kidding. That's not the truth. She is way more mature than I am. And uh, so we never really connected. So I was trying to—I was wrestling with this concept of this this individual that that could possibly be the one that God selected for me to marry. And I couldn't wrap my mind around it. You know how that scripture verse says, "God makes everything beautiful in its own time." It was like God took off the the veil on my eyes and allowed me to see something I couldn't see before. So when he allowed, I was literally up to like three in the morning, just pacing my floor back and forth like, God, are you serious? Is this is this, is this is this really real? God, are you serious? Trying to wrap my mind. And when God took off the veil, it was like, oh, God, it's on now. I'm in hot pursuit. That Ain't nothing stopping me, God. This is the one that you called call me to marry? This is, she's it. I say all that to say David was in hot pursuit of the ark of God, a little bit different level. But there was something burning down on the inside of David to say, man, I need the presence of God in the city of David. This is crucial to not only my kingship, but my existence here on earth is your presence. Moving on, we're almost done because I want to give some time. Okay, we're good. I think we're good. All right. David, man, he was a lover of God, a man after God's own heart. And although David did what was right in going after and pursuing the ark, which represented his presence, he had a few issues with the execution of his plan. The first thing we see is that they put the ark on a new cart. They put it on a new cart, and that kind of shows they had a, a disregard for what God had established. As you read in verse 6, and when they came to Nacar's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, and the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark. Man, God, I thought I was doing a good thing, going and getting your presence. I thought this is what you wanted me to do. And this happens? See, God had already clearly laid out a plan for how the ark was to be transported. It was clear. David knew it. All of Israel knew it. God gave that to to Moses in the plan and instructions when he gave it to him on how to build it. Maybe just in David's excitement, and he's like, man, we can get the ark back. We're getting it back because I'm king now. We're going to put it right back in the place where it should be. And maybe he didn't give a second thought to what God had established. I want to tell you that just because things are going on maybe now today that they haven't been in times past doesn't mean that God is, is cool and all right with it because he set a protocol. And sometimes when we try to fit in and bend with culture, it may not be the, the bend that God desires for us because he's laid out a protocol. Sometimes just because culture says things are okay, don't make it okay in the eyes of God. Say, God, I just want to fit in. Well, everybody else, God, is going that way now. God, so it must be, no, 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 God has laid out a protocol for how we got to do this thing. Remember Adam Adam and Eve, the enemy tempted Adam and Eve, and they came to Adam and Eve, and they said, he said, did God really say you shouldn't eat from this tree? Adam and Eve knew what God said. But when the enemy comes, he comes to try to pull our are everything away from what God originally said, from, uh, from his protocol, from his outline, from what he's laid out, right? Of course times change. Of course things progress. But let me tell you, God doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. So that was the first issue. Then we see Uzzah died as a result of David not seeking God. David didn't seek the Lord. If you, if you read... Um, in, in, verse, in chapter 15 of First Chronicles, in verse 13 it says, Because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. We didn't consult him. This is, this is David said, hey, man, I, I realized my mistake. I didn't consult God. I didn't inquire the Lord. And it's so funny, if you go back, if you hit the rewind button, a few verses before chapter 6 and, and chapter 5, we see David consult God two separate times. When he's facing uh, uh, war against the Philistines, he said, God, shall we go up? And God gave him clear instructions on what to do. And God followed those, and David followed those instructions. Then he was facing them again. And David says, shall we go up? He inquired of God a second time and God says, wait, wait, hold on, don't don't do it like you did last time because I have something new for you. But yet still David inquired the Lord. So why at this point in time would he stop? There can be places of error when we don't inquire of God, when we don't hear what he's saying. I'm not saying be the type of Christian or type of believer where we got to ask God what color shirt we should wear on Monday morning. Or if we should have ranch or Thousand Island with our salad. I'm not saying that at all. That's a little out there. But I am saying for the major things in life or for some of the things that you do not have an answer, but you know God desires to provide you with wisdom, are you seeking and consulting and inquiring of God? Instead of just running ahead and doing it, how naturally, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. But God, this is, it's got to be the right thing. God is going to glorify you and honor you, but yeah, God may not want you to do it that way, or he may not want you to do it in this time. So he didn't inquire of God. David, man, he suffered loss because of these missteps. And finally, finally we see that David, he parked the ark. If I can have the worship team come up, and we're going to end this way. David parked the ark. David became angry when Uzzah died. If you look at that word angry, if you look at that word angry in the Hebrew, that Hebrew word is kara, and it literally means to be hot or furious or burn with anger. David went from this passionate desire to go grab the presence to now be an hot and furious because one of his faithful men, Uzzah, died because he was, thought he was trying to do something good. There comes a temptation sometimes when we become angry with God when things fail, when we get dismissed from our job, we get fired or laid off, when a relationship we thought was going to last forever, it ends suddenly, not by our own will, but the will of somebody else. When things that you thought were supposed to work out according to God's plan, they totally break down. There comes a, a temptation to have the same p- disposition that David did, to become angry, to say, man, forget this ark. If this is what it's going to bring into my life, I don't want it, God. The Bible says a hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. God, I was running after you. I was pursuing you. God, how come, how come you didn't do what I thought you would do, God's. Sometimes, sometimes we suffer loss by our own missteps. Not, nothing, nothing wrong on God, but God at times may warn us and show us things, show us ways not to take, and we take those, those ways anyway. And then we suffer loss and say, God, why didn't you come through? Why didn't you do this? When God said, no, 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 I already, I already gave you, I already showed you, I already told you. But still with a loving heart, they say, come back to me, David. Come back to me. I still have great things for you. I still want to fulfill your desire for that one thing. Some of you in your pursuit, you might have felt like you've parked your pursuit of who God is. Yeah, you come to church, sing the worship songs on the screen because they're good and, and they're awesome. And, You may think you sound good, like I think I do sometimes. (laughs) But in your heart, the ark is parked. Yeah, you may read your word sometimes, or you may pray here and there. But you can remember back to a time where your pursuit of God was passionate. It was on fire. It was all that consumed you. And then something happened. You suffered loss. You were discouraged. You were disappointed. Somebody let you down. You may feel like God let you down. So, God, no, that's okay. I'll just leave this right here for now. I don't want to expose myself to the potential of what I can face in the future. If this is if this is all that's gonna bring me, God, I am I'm, I'm cool with it. God, I'll leave it right here. I remember when my father died in 2019. It was all of a sudden unexpected. I didn't know he was gonna die till literally like the week before he died. <laughs> just hit me like a ton of bricks. And in and, and in my in my life, in my walk, like I still believed in God. I, you know. God, I still believe in you, Lord. I'll still read my word. But God, I'm going to go ahead and park this ark for a minute. Like I was like literally numb on the inside. Like like it wasn't like I can't, I don't even, some of you that have been through that, you, you you, can, you know what I'm saying. You know exactly what I'm saying without me trying to, trying to fire words for it. I stopped my pursuit of who God was because of this place, this, this bump in the road that I experienced. But David, David, remember, you said, one thing have I desired. That one thing will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and inquire in his temple. I want to tell you that God wants to restore, God wants to restore that pursuit in your life. Last verse, and I'm going to get out of your way, and I feel God is calling us to, to activation here. Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18. Oh, by the way, David saw the blessing of obed He says, I can't miss out on that blessing. I want to go get the ark. It's time for me to go back. It's time for me to change my mind. I need to repent. i got to change my mind about how I felt about your presence. So I want to go get your presence. David got the presence, and he did things the right way. Bible says every six paces they sacrificed and shed blood, and they brought the ark back according to God's plan. They did it the right way, and eventually the ark made it back to the city of David. All that he set out to do was accomplished because David was after his one thing. Luke 18, 18-23, it says, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, talking to Jesus, this guy, the rich young ruler, he says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. He says, You know all the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things, this rich young ruler said, All these things I've kept for my youth. Jesus, you know me you know I'm spotless, Jesus. You know I'm perfect in your eyes. You know I'm religious. You know I'm righteous. Why are you even asking me this, Jesus? But You know what Jesus' response was? When Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Yeah, you're religious, you got your Jesus clothes on, but you still lack one thing. You're missing everything because you lack one thing. You see, when David parked the ark, the one thing that he needed the most in that time was the thing that he abandoned. The one thing. The very source of life and strength and hope and peace and joy and love and everything he could ever imagine, he abandoned. God says, I want want to restore your pursuit of that one thing. What is it worth to you? Thank you for listening to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about The Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, thank you for tuning in.